Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Okay, so with that, we're digging back into our study. Um, falsetto. Is falsetto high? It's what? Fake? Oh, no, I think it's high. Now, I'm not teasing Mike because you all took over Blessed Assurance. He had like a cool version all loaded up for you, and you guys just took over, and he just stopped playing singing with you all. So, <laughs> so Mike got a, a song off kind of today, but I, I kind of like when the congregation takes over. That's kind of fun. Okay, so where have we been? We're in a, a study series on the Holy Spirit, specifically at this part of the sub-series on the gifts of the Spirit. Um, it is part of a larger study on discipleship and going to be more like Jesus that we have been going through through different stages. If you have not been with us or if you've missed any, we had two studies, one by my mentor, uh, Pastor Bob McCann, and one by myself a couple weeks ago on the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to go back on the website and pick those up. Uh, if you are not familiar with, sometimes people get confused about that aspect of God. That is really kind of what the spotlight is on God right now in this age, that part that indwells within us when we accept Jesus as a leader and forgive in our lives, when God resides within us to um, preserve us, to guide us, to give us power, uh, to be able to do the mission that we're called to, to lead others to Jesus, baptize and to disciple one another. Um, it, and it's where we get these gifts that we are digging into as far as being part of that mission as well. Uh, easily to, to miss too often, so we want to really dig into them. Uh, the last two weeks have been kind of just on the spiritual gifts. The first one is what is spiritual gifts, and we went through kind of three groupings of them uh, from the standpoint of the miraculous gifts, the, the empowering gifts, and the team gifts, which we're going to start talking about more, and what the purpose of these spiritual gifts are that each and every one of us who have accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven their lives have in some way, shape, or form these spiritual capacities that in those particular areas we can grow beyond the physical and into what the Spirit has for us. And then last week we talked about the abuses of the spiritual gifts and how uh, some people abuse the spiritual gifts, but also how sometimes we abuse the spiritual gifts by not using them, not growing in them, uh, and not understanding how they work for us as individuals, but most importantly us as a, as a corporate through the church. So that's kind of where we've been. Uh, now through that, uh, let's go ahead and just to get us going. Like I said, I want to spend more time on the team gifts. Um, so just to bring this back from two weeks ago, the, the team gifts are evangelism, prophecy, teaching, exhortation, shepherding, mercy showing, serving, giving, and administration. That, that's not all the spiritual gifts, that's the team ministry gifts. Um, again, that's where our focus is going to be. We're going to get into them more so over the next few weeks. But there's a particular section with the team gifts that I noticed we got a lot of response on last week, a lot of people talking to me uh, afterwards about that I want to dig into before we start breaking them apart. This next, uh, I, th I think, well, yeah, the chart. Do you remember this? You can't see it? Remember that? Isn't that great? Uh, but, and again, we set this out on Facebook this week too, but for those who were not here last week, this top line is different. Uh, Struggles that people go through, like meeting practical needs or soul winning or dealing with finances. And then we went through, not in depth, but we went through the different gifts and how, depending on what lens you have on your spiritual gift, not that you just have one, but 
you, you do have at least uh, at least one. Looking through that lens, where you kind of pop into place. So if it's comforting others, then someone who's a mosi showing person is going to pop up there a little bit more in their lens, how they see things, how they act within things. When it comes to soul winning, an evangelist might not necessarily be showing up on the charge that much on leading, but boy, when it comes to uh, soul winning and Bible doctrine, they're right there. But the main point that we wanted with this particular chart, and still make with this particular chart, is this, that each of us working together provide for the needs that the church needs to be doing. And that's what I heard a lot about. Like, before I saw that chart, I hadn't thought about it that way, or that chart hit me like a wall, or that's something I want to dig into deeper, uh, that's something I want to understand more, is that the team gifts are definitely for the team, each of us doing our part. So from that, again, that mirrors Ephesians 4.16. I'm making Lisa do a lot of work today. Uh, it says, The whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's what I want to focus more on today is going deeper into that concept and looking at how the needs of the people are and how God provides for those needs through the spiritual gifts. So in your bulletin today, uh, again, usually I like to start out with Scripture and then talk off the Scripture. We're doing it a little bit reversed in this particular series. Um, it's more note-taking at the beginning, and then we'll bring some Scripture to it at the end. I want to get back into 1 Corinthians 12 again today. But if you'll get that out, and then there's pens um, in the back of the chairs in front of you. If it's not there, then go deeper. A lot of times the kids running through will shove them down in there. Uh, sometimes you adults do the same. Um, if it's not in the chair in front of you, just look beside you, share whatever you'd like. Uh, if you're here as a couple or as a family, uh, I, I will not give you a dirty look for having one person be the designated writer on this one, okay? But my goal is to go through each of these needs and how the spiritual gifts fill them in kind of a rapid fire, but so that we can see the big picture and then start breaking it apart more as we go forward. So this is the goal. We're going to go through these 1 through 24, and I won't talk a ton about each one so you can still get lunch today. Everybody good? Everybody ready? Nope. Everybody good? Everybody ready? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't much better. Okay. First need. Again, this is a little bit more lecturing than uh, the normal sermon style. But the first need is salvation. We all need salvation. Every single one of us. Romans 3.23. You can write that beside there if you want. But all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a single one of us that does not match up with that scripture. It is part of the Romans road, if you're familiar with that, which is a collection of voices primarily from Romans that leads us through the gospel message. We've all screwed up. We all sinned. We all deserve hell. We all deserve to be separated from God. And God is the one that took and fixed the problem by sending Christ to die on the cross to become victorious over sin and death so that when you acknowledge with your mouth he's the son of God and believe in your heart he died and rose again. You're God, I'm not. You are saved. We all need Jesus. That is the need. What spiritual gift is the provision for that? Nobody guessing? Okay, we'll see how it goes. We go, huh? Evangelist. Number two, evangelist. Now, again, we have to be very cautious on this. The person that has a spiritual gift or the spiritual capacity, supernatural capacity of evangelism, uh, is not the only person in charge of evangelizing. Each and every one of us have the Great Commission. Each and every one of us ought to be leading others to Jesus, period. The evangelist has a supernatural capacity and a lens to see things differently than the rest of us where they're like always on. 
they're always on. They're always seeing those opportunities. Their heart grieves for those that are not walk, walking with Christ. Um, I read one, I can't say it's a stat. I, I read an observation this week. I don't know if I 100% agree with it or not, but I'll let you decide. Uh, that if you take, like, the people who have accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven their lives and ask them who led that, who, who said to them, hey, here's the gospel. What do you want to do with that? Is that something that you, and I highly encourage you to do this with anybody when you're sharing the gospel. Here's what God says. What do you want to do with that? And if they say, I don't want that, say, okay, I'm still here to talk more if you want. I'll live it more in front of you. Keep praying for you. Or I'm not there yet. Okay, I'm right here for you. I'm still praying for you. And they'll say yes to lead them in the prayer. Out of the 100 pe people, let's say, that accepted Jesus, who led you in that prayer, this particular person was saying that probably 80 to 90% have the gift of evangelism. I don't know if I 100% agree with it, but I bet it's a majority. Simply because the one thing to keep in mind is just because the evangelist person is the person that is most willing to say, what do you want to do with that? Is not the person necessarily that led them to the Lord. They're the ones that ask the question. So people with serving, people with giving, people with mercy, people with all, all the other gifts have been spilling into this person's life, planting the seed and watering the seed. But the evangelist goes right for it. The evangelist's heart goes right for it so they don't miss that opportunity. Again, something we can learn from evangelists, I think. Uh, so, number three, next need, awareness of sin. The challenge that we have, and I don't think it's just today, but I think it's definitely prevalent today, is that there's not a whole heck of a lot of difference between the church and the world anymore. Um, it's been, I'm talking about like capital C, but even as individuals, I don't think it's too hard for any of us to say, that there's things in our lives that are not right, but we've gotten so comfortable and desensitized to it that we don't think about it that much anymore. And then we get into the Bible or we hear a message or something, we get smacked in the face like crap, right? We, we, we need to be aware of what is sin in this world instead of desensitized to the part when it comes to any area of sin in our lives, whether it be entertainment, how we use drugs or alcohol, how we take and do our relationships, how, how we have premarital sex, all those things are a place we just become so desensitized to it. Or, okay, God, I know it's not really right, but I'm thankful that you're, that you're, uh, you're, you're patient. We need to be aware of our sin, very scriptural base. So number four <laughs> is the need, the need is fulfilled by the prophet. The need is fulfilled by the prophet. We need to know what sin is, and usually the prophet is the one that's more than happy to tell you what's wrong, more than happy. A lot of times people think of prophecy as foretelling or talking about the future. We see it prevalent in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen today. It does still happen today. I, I will say I think a lot of people uh, are following some foretellings that aren't God, but that does happen today. But primarily what you see the prophecy gift used for in the church age is foretelling, taking and saying this is not right. This is good. This is not it's not good that you have this in your life. They, they are more than happy to be able to take and step into that awareness of sin and tell you what sin is. They will step on toes. They'll get excited to step on toes, not because they want to trash you, but because they want to lead you from conviction to freedom through the grace of Jesus Christ. Number four, no, number five, the need is knowing what's right. Everybody still writing down or did you guys get real rebellious and decide you're not going to do it? Play my reindeer game. It's worth it. Number five, knowing what is right. It's one thing to have something called out wrong in your life. It's another to, to know what's right in your life. And have, what does the Bible call us to in our character? What does it call us to in our freedom? What does it call us to in our mission? 
um, we have a need to be able to understand how those things work. If it was just a bunch of don'ts and no do's, it'd be a very, very boring spiritual walk. Uh, so the response to that is the teacher. The teacher. So with the spiritual gift of teaching communicates knowledge, they relay facts, they make known, they dig deeper to know the truths of the scripture and to be able to convey them. Now, there's a reason you have a Bible. It's because you not just rely on teachers. We have, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, I've got five of them ready to go in my office right now. We give away Bibles left and right. Um, I've met, and if you need resources, there's plenty of resources within that place as well. But one of the primary ways is that we find that provision is through teachers. Number seven, we need the know-how. To know how. Now we know what the sin is, and now we replaced it with knowledge. Now we need to know how to make that apply into our lives. How to make those things come come alive. How many times have you felt um, convicted about something in the church or a podcast or whatever case it be? And you're like, you know, I need to do this better, and they have no clue how to do this better. Um, I have a buddy, and I think this is one of the most common ones that like I need to get into the word more. I need to get into the word more. And one thing that is devastating to most people, unless if you're weird, um, which don't raise your hand if you, you match this, um, like is opening up the page one, start out the Genesis 1-1 one, one, and just read through the book. Um, and I, I know many people that get really, really thrown by that. And so we were talking and, um, about one against a woman just had no idea how. So when we have situations like that, we go to number eight, the exhorter. The exhorter. Uh, in that particular case, not that I, I feel that I necessarily have the spiritual gift of exhortation. A lot of these things I, I do because of my calling, but not necessarily the same thing as spiritual gift. Um, but in this, this case, it's how to do that thing that you know you're supposed to be doing. So we met, we talked about where she's at, what she understands at this point. We did, decided James was the next best book for her. That, that would be a great book for you to get into. Uh, do you, what kind of Bible do you have? Let's make sure you have a Bible that's easy to understand. Uh, let's, do you have a study Bible? Would you like a study Bible? A study Bible has more notes on the bottom that helps you process those things. Um, here is Right Now Media. You've got that account. Look, right here's a really good Francis Chan video series on James that you can go through as you're reading it to have additional resources within it. Here's a study that we did here at the church five years ago on James that you can go through as you go through it. And then we started... Uh, Talking a little bit, she just kind of chimes in every once in a while about how it's going and how those extra tools are working. That's <laughs> exhortation. It's encouraging the saints, helping to do the how-to. It's basically be a living life application Bible to your friends. Okay? Next one. To be cared for. The need to be cared for. Um, I'm going to do that one. I'll leave it as a second to write down. I think you guys are fast writers. But this one I don't know how to describe so much without also giving you the need, or the uh, provision, which is 10, is the shepherd. So we have a need to be cared for, and um, then we have the, the shepherds, the, the, those are spiritually gifted as shepherds to meet that need. Uh, the reason being is that the best way I can describe that is, um, from a spiritual standpoint, is sheep. I think most of us in the American dream aspect of things, the last thing we want is to be seen as somebody has need or can't handle their own business. Uh, ways to stand on your own and be self-confident and blah, 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 blah. We're actually made for community. But uh, it even gets more sh insulting in some ways if you, you don't, uh, you know, lay down the ego a little bit. 
when the Bible calls us sheep on top of that. But the reality is, from a spiritual standpoint, we're all sheep. And sheep, um, I've got several people in my life that are shepherds. My father-in-law, Jim, uh, was a shepherd. We lost him back at Christmas time. Uh, Steve Isla, many of you guys know, is, uh, was part of our church for 15 years. He's Jenny's cousin, uh, raises sheep. Um, and the one thing I've learned about sheep from shepherds is sheep are extremely stupid. And so it gets a little, a little bit more humbling. Uh, and they badly need taken care of. Badly need taken care of. Uh, the one that always uh, kind of cracked me up a little bit is uh, Jim, my, my father-in-law, was talking one time about, uh, you know, again, how stupid sheep are. And um, he was saying that if, they fall, if one falls over on its back, you have to go flip it because it's not small enough to be able to get back up on its own feet, by, by, on its own. To the point that if a sheep flips over outside on its back when it's raining and you don't flip it back, it will drown. That's how stupid they are. Now, none of us like to think of ourselves as that stupid, and some of you are, but the, no, I'm kidding. It's only three of you. It's only three of you. Donna, did I get in trouble? Did you say all? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I could get away with it with Kathy not being here, but oh well. Oh well. But we do need shepherds in our lives, especially from a spiritual standpoint, for provision, for shelter, for nourishment, for being led. That's what that spiritual gift is there for. Now, don't make this mistake. Shepherds are not always pastors. Shepherds are not always pastors. And again, I prefer the, 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 the title under shepherd since there's only one shepherd. Um, but you, you'll find Christian, well, yeah, I would say the Christian shepherds in pastor roles. And all, by the way, not all pastors are shepherds, by the way. That's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, but den mothers, den fathers for Cub Scouts, for brownies. Uh, sometimes you, you'll find the spiritual gift of shepherding in those type of roles where they care for others and lead others. Okay, still going with me? It's a list. I know lists are not always as fun as the, the stuff I like doing, but we're, we're, going, we're here for a reason. Eleven, to be comforted. To be comforted. With all the struggles that we have in this world, I don't think I need to necessarily describe that one too much. We all have a need to be um, comforted. So number 12 is the mercy shower. The mercy shower is usually someone who's a little bit more soft-spoken. They know what to say when you're going through a tough time. They know what not to say when you're going through a tough time. They know how to shut up if you just need someone to listen. And they usually end up being somebody that um, tends to be able to look at the whole picture with you, and at the end they just say two or three statements that point you uh, towards hope. And then next thing you know, like, man, they just have this real gift of kind of helping me move forward a little bit. Uh, those are mostly showers. I will throw this as a side item, uh, and this is just a Tom thing, but a lot of times when I'm uh, meeting with somebody that has mercy, uh, they talk about themselves being an empath because they're empathetic. Uh, I caution using that word that has uh, its roots in New Age, not Christianity. You're not an empath, you're a mercy shower. Uh, and I want to make sure that when we're digging into our spiritual capacities, we get it nice and clear from the spring instead of some of these other things, or things that people might misunderstand if they think empath is a little bit different than what you're trying to convey. Next one, 13, a helping hand. Now, when I talk about a helping hand here, I'm talking more from a uh, maintenance standpoint, uh, things that you need your house, you might need help with, things that might be at the church or a facility. 
that they need with home issues. And in this particular case, the spiritual gift for that would be the silver. The silver. Silvers tend to be pretty content with doing things behind the scenes. They tend to not like the spotlight. They do like a thank you. They don't like the spotlight so much. Um, and I would say the biggest concern here is not a, someone has a silver aspect to not think of that as a lesser gift because it's not. There's people who say, well, you know, I can't get up there and preach like Tom. I can't play guitar like Mike, so I guess I'll just serve. See if there's something that they, I can help out with. Uh, it's a very vital spiritual gift, spiritual capacity uh, to, be, to be a sofer. Um, very well needed. And I was thinking through this, and it seems, outside of one exception, that the first people came to mind that might have some uh, spiritual capacity in this area are all named Mike. Now, the four people I thought of are all named Mike. JT, are you sure your name's not Mike? Like, is it JT Michael? No? But, huh? What'd you say? Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> but for, for me, I know, like, around here, if the, depending on what it is, if there's something going on, like, sound or equipment-wise, you call JT, and JT's on it. If you got something in that same area or video or network-wise, you call Michael. Michael's all on it. Uh, we have the, the lights go down, the sign, or something going on with the furnace, or something going on at the house, you call Mike, Mike's all on it. Uh, if I go to Aspire Ministries, Mike Fogel, my gosh, that guy is retired now, and I, I, I think that if he wasn't doing stuff, people would want him to leave, because uh, he's there all the time, always serving, always doing stuff. He's working at the ministry, he's on the board of directors with me, and then the next thing you know, uh, Katie has problems with the AC at the house, not a problem, give me the key, and he's off fixing the AC. Um, it's just, it's a servant heart, it's, it's beyond, it. you just, you see the need and I'm on it, uh, is part of that, and it's a, it's a beautiful gift that's needed. Fifteen, financial need. So instead of like physical needs, but, but financial need. Uh, I have more examples than that, but I don't want you guys like calling them because you need it done at your house. Financial need. Uh, that's people. People have financial needs. Uh, ministry has financial need. The different organizations have financial need. Um, so the, the gift within that on how God moves around his provision is the giver. Now, this is going to be somewhat like the evangelist. We are all called the tithe. We're all called to offerings as the Spirit leads, and we're all called to generosity as the Spirit leads. The giver has a lens that's just beyond that, and usually a capacity beyond that, um, where they are looking for places that they can bless God's ministry, God's people, and the, the, the kingdom work with uh, the finances, usually, if not resources. Uh, they tend to like to meet the tangible. Um, they usually like their giving to be done in private. If not, that's probably another issue. Uh, and they're not ones who will look at somebody who has a need and immediately think, well, the government should take care of that. Oh, they, you should go to welfare. You should. Not that those things are bad. They're there to help people. But we as a church should not be pushing people on the government only. We should be the church. So that's where the givers come into place as well on the supernatural level. 17. Still with me, everybody awake? That's not like most of you. Leadership. We all need leadership. Now, this one goes against my normal grain. But I see the way that it's supposed to be talking about this need because I'm a big believer that we're all leaders and we're all followers. There's times in my life that I'm, uh, I'm the leader, there's times I'm a follower. All of us have a certain amount of authority in our lives, a position in our lives that we can leverage for people that need help. 
So even if I was an, a 13-year-old girl in junior high school, did you guys see my belly piercing post? Anyways, uh, the, uh, I, I still have the opportunity to stand up for a friend that's being treated badly by others. You know what I mean? Like we all have opportunities to, to, to lead. This one's looking more about our just normal cape of pizzit. Where, where'd you go? What'd you do? We jumped ahead. That's okay. Yeah, I'm still there. Don't tell them. The, there was going to be a test. Oh, well. Lisa's all excited. Either that she wants lunch. <laughs> Come on, old man. Come on. Uh, but the, um, oh, I don't know what I was talking about now. No, oh, well, where was that? Okay, yeah, but the, just normal capacity on how we do things. I was reading, a, this one was an actual study uh, that I was reading this week, that if you took 100 people and you put a project in front of them, and I'm still kind of scrappling with how I feel about this one too, but I kind of see it. Again, how many people a project? 84% would need a plan and supervision to get it done, according to the statistic and talking to people. By their natural tendencies, they want a plan and they need some leadership to be able to get that done. Uh, 14, hopefully my numbers add up, I think they do, uh, can, if you give them the plan, they don't need much supervision, but they need a plan. They can read the instructions, they can make it happen. Only two out of that 100 would look at that and say, what do you need done? Okay, I'll make that happen without a plan or without supervision, that they, they had the, the, the creativity and the confidence or whatnot to run with that. Um, so from that perspective and looking at my life and looking at other people's lives, I kind of see it. I don't know if the numbers are exactly right, but I think we're in the ballpark. Uh, so what's the provision for that? Anybody want to guess? Huh? The administrator. Uh, someone likes, uh, that is conf confident. Uh, not cocky, but confident in leading, ruling, organizing, administrating. Uh, the, the, the original language for this comes from the same uh, word for steering a ship. For some of you think Jack Sparrow up there. I don't like a fourth. <laughs> An administrator here might just look like Jack Sparrow. But they don't mind taking charge, jump in, people tend to go to them, even if they might not necessarily be the person they should be going to. They're just used to it. Next one, need. Fellowship, community, we're all built for community. I don't care how inadvertent you are, how shy you are, what your circumstances have done to you, how much you feel you have to protect yourself from other people. In some way, shape, or form, we are built for community. I believe that not just because I see it, I believe it because the scripture tells us that. We are built for community in some way, shape, or form. So number 20, the spiritual gifts for that is every single one of us, the entire body. Community is community. How do you build fellowship? You hang out with other people. That's the first step of building fellowship. We've talked about that just recently, about like 48 Plus Club or Java for Juniors or whatever. Just hanging out with people is what builds that fellowship. Um, it's, it needs every single one of the roles, as we saw in that original chart from last week, to be able to build a honest, true, strong, healthy fellowship. Okay, now we're going a little crazy. 21 is up the middle, right? Is 21 up the middle? Because it kind of applies to all of them. People serving other people is the need and the provision. We have a need to serve other people because we're created to serve other people. We are gifted to serve other people. And we are created for that fellowship. On the other side, I need other people in my life that serve me. 
Not because I'm the pastor and everybody else is a bunch of my minions. <laughs> I just visualized all of you guys as a little yellow, one-eyed. <laughs> Banana, there you go. <laughs> but because I'm a human being and I need help and I need service as well. So that, that's in every single one of us. Everybody good? I drop down below that, 22. Becoming a mature Christian is a need. This is where we go back to the four chairs. For those who won't hear, the four chair is a, uh, a symbolism or a method that we talked about on the four stages of discipleship, moving from being lost to being saved, but being a baby Christian to moving more into evangelism to moving more into discipleship and discipling others. Um, and being the problem that most of us stop at chair two of being a baby Christian and continue spitting up ourselves and tripping over our own feet. Um, there's a need for us to become Christians, and we need each other to be able to do that. Uh, I'll give you a scripture here with that, because I think this is really cool when I found this this week. Second uh, Timothy 3.16, I think is in there. Yep. As this is a last-minute add-in. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. As we leave that there, okay, all scripture. So we all have our Bibles, right? If you don't, Tom's got some for you right at the church. Just let me know. Uh, also, by the way, if you want a side note, BibleGateway.com. Does anybody use BibleGateway.com? I use BibleGateway.com. Their pro version, I really like some of the gifts that they have in that. And another software I have uh, has some of those same types of tools, but cost me about 1500 bucks. Um, they have uh, Bible Gateway Pro right now. If you use the code AUGUST, you can buy that for, I think it's $3.90 a month. So if you're looking for some good resources, that's a good one to look at. Um, but So we can all do the scripture by ourselves. But if we look at this verse, verse of what we just studied, it's given by the inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine. What is that? That's the gospel. That's the message. That's the truth of God. That's the evangelist. It is there for reproof. It's profitable for, for reproof to tell us what sin is. What is that? That's the prophet. For correction, uh, taking that and finding the way to go back into it. Now I'm getting into the teacher. And the instruction in righteousness is those that are going to be able to lean into my life and be able to help me to apply it in the same way as an exhorter does. Isn't that cool? That's what we're built for. And that's what we're move, moving for. And we need that in our lives to become a mature Christian. So number 23 is this. The provision for that is the team. All of us doing our parts. So that we're helping each other grow in the scripture. Last one. You guys ready? Okay, let me look and see what it is. Lasting growth. Lasting growth is the need and the provision. In other words, we need all of this to be a healthy church the way that God has called us to be. One of the things I love about our church, and I just had somebody else talking to me about this morning, is that we embrace the whole misfit thing. That we are misfits, it's a church for misfits, for us misfits. Uh, I was so thrilled at the beginning of the year when we did the Island of Misfit Toys uh, thing and was talking about it. My biggest concern was that the staff would hate me because I was calling us all up as misfits and why we were. And you guys said, me too! And I was so thrilled. Because to have a healthy church, it's got to be me too. It's got to be all of us. It's got to be all of us in uh, from that aspect. So with that, I think, do I have a filled out chart on there? I think, yeah, let's type that up there. See, you can't see it. 
So look at the one you did. Because if you didn't, then get up and move up to the front because you didn't play the game. Jokes. But look at that compared to last week's chart. If, you, if it's just now hitting from last week's chart, it's like, holy cow, look at how we all work together. This shows us how we all work together and why we work together and where we're headed together. And most importantly, if any of us are not doing our spiritual gifts, growing in our spiritual gifts, taking and helping each other with our spiritual gifts, then how jacked up that is as far as the health of the church. It's not just about us as individuals. 1 Corinthians 12, let's go back. If you have your Bibles, again, 1 Corinthians 12. If you do not, there's Bibles in the baskets in the chairs, underneath the chairs around you that you can use, keep bars still. Uh, but if you need a Bible, like I said, I got better, uh, better ones that will last you longer back in my office. Uh, and your version is up and running as well, I'm sure. But I want to go back to this, and you'll be like, oh, man, we just covered this last week. And we covered it the week before. And guess what? Um, Ephesians, Romans, and 1 Corinthians are going to be some of the main areas for spiritual gifts. But I want to read this over us yet again, because we've got to get, just drive this home. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Remember, we talked about this each time. Just because you don't want to be part of the body doesn't mean that you're not part of the body. It means if you're not doing your part, that you're a diseased part of the body, right? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell but as it is, God arranged all members in the body, each one of them, as he, uh, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet in one body. Though I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Though again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And all, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, one, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are built for community, period. Now, here's a little side lesson we need to learn from this because some people really struggle with this. What this means is that all your needs cannot be met by one person. Does that make sense? We're not designed for that. Even Jesus had 12 buddies. There was times that he needed a little break from Peter, went over to John because John had more experience in that area or more hope for that, whatever the case would be. We're not designed to have one person fill all of our needs. I see this all the time. 
people who break up in a relationship, they need God again. They start going to church. It lasts for about six months. They meet somebody else. They don't need God anymore because that new boyfriend or that new girlfriend is taking care of those needs for them. And then they can't figure out why it's not working out. We need God first, and we need each other. I am not designed to meet all of my wife's needs, and she will attest to that. But I'm not. I, I, I'm charged to continue to grow the best I can within my capacities to be the best husband I can be. But I, I'm not designed for that, and she's not designed to meet every single one of my needs in my life, relationally, mentally, uh, physically. No, I, no, let's not do physical. <laughs> I won't say physical on that one. No, the, but you know, I mean, like, we're not designed for that. And if we were trying to constantly make the other one fill all of our emotional, relational, mental needs, we would kill each other and drain each other out. So that's why we need community and not just a spouse, not just a boyfriend, not just a girlfriend. Um, in the same way, we might have a best friend or somebody else in our life that we're going to. And we're getting frustrated because why can't they get that I don't need them to answer, like tell me what to do in this situation. I just need a, some mercy. I just need somebody to listen. Well, maybe that person's not exactly gifted to mercy. We could be growing in that, but you might be going to the wrong person and taking and judging them off of what you want them to be versus what God created them to be. So we have to grow within these areas, but at the same standpoint, we have to realize that this community aspect is all of us taking and being together. Um, so, some things to be thinking about there. When it comes to the spiritual gifts as a whole, when I was going through this book, and again, I, I, I like to keep highlighting this because I am relying heavily on this and this particular book on this series. It's not something I normally do, uh, but I, Dr. Larry Gilbert, Your Gifts, uh, it has a few different tools within it, within uh, their team ministry group. But uh, there's a principle called the Little Toe Principle. Little Toe Principle. And I immediately resonated with it because I had a friend of mine go through a situation last year that really wrecked his life for a while. Um, the principle is if you are sitting there going, okay, again, we've not done spiritual gift assessments. There's a reason for that yet. Um, but I don't feel that I've got any great spiritual gifts at this point or whatever. Uh, so if I'm part of the body, I guess I'm the little toe. Okay, and somebody's got to be the little toe. That's not, not a problem in any way, shape, or form. Uh, problem is probably more than that, but that's how you see yourself. Uh, but let's say you're literally the little toe. The body needs the little toe. Now, if you have one amputated and you will move on and you hobble a little bit and the church will hobble a little bit if you decide you're not going to do your part. But a buddy of mine, Kevin, who's younger than I am, deals with sugar diabetes, is a uh, police officer. And he, with his diabetes got to a point that he had to have his little toe amputated last year. And he's thinking kind of like I was, like, oh, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Between the infections and the continued surgeries he had to have from it, it wrecked his life physically in multiple ways for six, seven months. They had to keep going back to the hospital and going through pain and going through struggles, being off of work. He um, got to a point that he was healing, but he could not kneel down draw his weapon, and then stand back up in one move anymore. And if that's the case, you're not allowed to be on the street anymore. So he got uh, bumped down to being a desk officer and just recently finally regained the ability to do that so he can go back on the street again. The little toe is a big deal. Whatever role you're at, you're created for it, you're called to it, you're gifted for it, and you're part of the body. 
and that's what we need as the whole. That's why we need to be able to continue to work together within this. So let me, let me tell you where we're going now that this foundation is laid. Um, starting next week, unless the Holy Spirit does something different, we're going to start going through the gifts uh, a little bit more in depth, maybe two or three a week. Um, and this is the primary reason why we are not doing gift assessments yet. And the primary reason I asked you on week one, please forget any spiritual gift assessment you have ever done. Because since we tend to be individualistic when it comes to our spiritual gifts, I do not want you sitting there going, oh, we're talking about evangelism? That's me. Oh, we're talking about mercy? That's not me. I can just kind of check out. We need to understand the gifts and how they work together. So you have to understand not your own, but everybody else's as well, so that we are educated in this and can move together as the body. So we're going to do that for about eh, three weeks, four weeks, however long it takes. Then we'll do assessments, um, which will be provided, and you can do at home. Uh, if you would not be able to do an online one, make sure you let me know early so I can order you a paper one. Uh, then we will come back together. While you do this throughout the week, we're going to come back together, and we're going to talk about how this work together. On that week, and I will give you notices as we get closer to it, if there is any way, shape, or form you can be in the house on that Sunday, be here. For those that are shut-ins, those that cannot be here, uh, I pray that you continue to check in. I pray that you continue with every aspect of this because just because you're shut-in does not mean you're part of the body. Uh, matter of fact, we were just talking the other day about how Paul's most, a lot of his best work was done when he was under house arrest. Um, John thought he was done when he said to the island of Patmos, which was an island for motors and rapists, because the public didn't want to have to deal with him anymore. I think he probably thought he was done, and then God showed up and said, hey, let me just tell you all about Revelation, <laughs> you know? So there's plenty we do, but that particular Sunday is going to be so focused in such a way on a physical standpoint that that section of it will give some on-home directions, and then we're going to cut the feed. It's going to be in-house. It's going to be in-house. So I pray that everybody can be here, is here for that, as we build on this and we see how this works for us as TSF. Sound good? If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.